Uh, we're starting a series today in First uh, John, um, and the primary reason is I want you to buy my book. And so, <laughs> so I figured if we're in this, then then you will have a reason to go to Amazon and spend the twenty-two dollars uh, to make sure I get my two dollar twenty cent royalty check for every single one sold. Um, no, it's actually not the reason I didn't want to do First John. I was, like, tired of First John. I mean, the book took about uh, three or four years to write. Um, but uh, my friend Mike, um, he, he and I plan our, our services and sermons together uh, in Minnesota. And, um, and his associate pastor was like, hey, we really need to do this. And so uh, we're doing it. I'm very excited now, since I got a little space uh, from the book. And one of the cool things is I know right now uh, why three-quarters— of you are here today. But they do it every so often, and it's always the same thing. They ask people, why, um, what's the, like, the major factor? These are people who go to church at least once a month, right? What's the major factor that gets you out of bed, especially those of you on the West Coast, so you, can, you skip football because you could start watching it at 9 or 10 a.m. Instead, you go to church on a Sunday. What's the deal with that? And 75% of people respond. One of the major factors is um, there's this book we read, the holy book we have, the Bible, and it's a bit confusing. There's some really violent parts. Uh, there's some really depressing parts. There's some beautiful parts. There's some inspiring parts. There's a lot, and it's, it's sometimes, it's confusing, hard to handle. And one of the things I want to I want to understand uh, Scripture. I want to understand the Bible. And so that's a huge reason I go to church, because presumably the leader guy knows more, and he's going to share and, and, and teach me something about the Bible. The second thing, 76% of respondents uh, in 2017 said, uh, I want religion, I want Christianity to have an impact on my real life. Right? I, I, so I come to church because I'm hoping that I'm going to find out how to connect uh, the Bible to the, the experiences. Now, the interesting thing about 1 John is 1 John is probably, depending on how you, what you think about Hebrews, it's probably the only book in the New Testament that is a sermon or a series of sermons. Um, you could think of it as one big long sermon, or you could think of it as little vignettes, and we'll see this as we go through the book. But uh, it's a series of sermons. So what's interesting about these sermons is that they have the same, every, every time they have exactly the same uh, structure. They go like this. John tells us something that's true and real about God, about us, about Jesus, about the universe, about the devil, about a lot of things. He tells us something true. He explains the truth. And then he says, because that's true, you need to believe or do or think about or identify in this way. Now, if you notice, that is exactly why three-quarters of people go to church at least once a month. Because they want to understand something that's true about God, the universe, death, life, heaven, hell, all of those things. And then they want to know how those things are going to matter to them as they walk out of the place where they learned about them. is going to tell you the truth and then tell you what it means for you. So let's look at the beginning of 1 John, um, and, and uh, I'll note some things. Uh, John says, we, uh, we're not exactly sure who we is, but it probably includes the people in his church in Ephesus, some of them who knew Jesus and some of them who probably didn't, but, but a lot of them did. Uh, they knew him, and, and we're going to see here that, they, they did, that we are announcing to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what our eyes have seen, what we've gazed upon, what our hands have touched or handled concerning the word of life. 
This life was made visible. And we saw, we witnessed it. And now we announce to you the eternal life that was with the Father and has been revealed to us. We are announcing what we've seen and heard to you. Why? So that you might have union with us. For indeed, our union is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, there's an interesting thing here. It doesn't come across in English, but it's very clear in Greek. And and that is... uh, those words, what, I have, depending on which translation you have. If you open up uh, the Bibles and the pews, I think it says that, which. Um, but there's lots of different ways that it gets translated. What, which. What's interesting about Greek is that uh, those words, relative pronouns, it's very clear in Greek what they refer to. And that's because in Greek, Greek is a gendered language. And so it has a masculine, a feminine, and a neuter, which is similar to like Spanish, for example. It's a gendered language. Um, what's interesting about this text is those what's, they don't graph. Okay, there's no, there's no other noun in this paragraph that's neuter. All the other nouns are masculine or feminine. And so the what, and when you're hearing it in Greek, sounds very odd. Because it, it, you're like, you're waiting for what, 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 what are we referring to? What are we talking about? And it never comes. You keep hearing uh, masculine and feminine nouns. And so the what, you're like, ah. And for us, we might look at it and we say, well, what, what was from the beginning? Well, we heard, our eyes have seen, we've gazed upon. Well, if we know that John knew Jesus, we might assume, well, it just means Jesus. But that would be a masculine pronoun. So it's something more than that, something beyond that. We do know, however, that whatever the what is, it's concerning the word of life. Um, And and we know that this life, uh, John says, has been made visible. Now we're definitely talking about Jesus. We saw, we witnessed it, and now we're announcing to you the eternal life that was with the Father and has been revealed to us. So we have a bit of a mystery here. We know that John's talking about Jesus, Jesus Christ, but we also are a little bit confused because it, it seems like he should be saying who. We're announcing to you who was from the beginning. There's a reason for that. Stan Lee here, he, uh, he just passed away a couple years ago. Great American. Stan Lee, if you don't know, uh, was, he was 95. He was born in 1922. Um, from, you know, the pre-World War II era all the way through uh, the 60s and 70s, Stan Lee was the, the, the greatest creator of superheroes. And uh, depending on how you feel about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, you might hate this man because uh, he is, it's because of him that we've had literally 40 movies, 40, in the last 20 years, <laughs> all about people like the Incredible Hulk, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, the Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, Black Panther, Captain Marvel... It just goes on and on. Frankly, I, I pretty much checked out right around 2017, right around the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, I can't take this anymore. And then they brought out Thor Ragnarok, and my faith was restored. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting thing about Stan Lee, in uh, every single movie that's been made uh, based on any of the comics that uh, he created, uh, he has a cameo. Stan Lee shows up in the movie at one point or another. And they're often very amusing. Sometimes they're just like a second. You miss it if you blink. Um, but it's a, it's, it started out, I think, as a joke. And then it's, it's become now like, it's like they, there has to be a Stan Lee sighting. So now that he's passed, there's like statues of him. For those of us who are fans, we always look at, where's Stan Lee? 
Well, and the, and the reason for that, of course, is that, um, you know, Stanley put his heart and soul into creating these characters. Like, this is his legacy, right? He's a creator. Um, he would create the idea of Peter Parker, the, the science geek who gets bitten by a spider. You know, he, that came from his, his and, and, and then other people ran with it, but this was his creation, right? And there's a sense when every, anyone, anyone who creates anything, you want, you know that a piece of yourself is in your creation, Right? Like, there's something about you that you're pouring into what you're creating. But there's, there's also a sense in which it's definitely, I mean, it's not like you aren't your creation. It comes from you. It resembles you. It has whatever you've created. And I think Stanley kind of wanted to. I think he wished he could. And so as a result, when they were making these movies, I think he wanted to, to actually be there, to actually be a part of Peter Parker's life, to, to see Bruce Banner turn into the Hulk, um, to, to watch you know, Thor beat Loki. I think he wanted to be involved, to be a part of the creation. But that's impossible. And so he did the next best thing. He met the actors. He said a few lines. But it's emblematic. Oh, by the way, he's not the first to do this. Did you know that almost every Renaissance artist, Michelangelo, Raphael, da Vinci, they all have paintings where they they hide themselves in the painting. They'll do like a little self-portrait, like in the back, in the corner. And if you meet an art history major, they'll tell you, oh, that's Raphael, that's, that's, that's him. Because there's this impulse that we as human beings have where we want to be a part of that which we develop, we create. And even though we know it's impossible, we wish we could. Well, when the church fathers were reading this text and they saw those what, 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 and they're like, that should be who, 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 they, they, they began to understand something. What John's trying to bring out is he's trying to bring out something that's impossible that's happened. Okay? And what that is, is that the unoriginated creator, the uncreated creator of the universe, became a part of the creation he created. He did something that is impossible. In fact, it's incomprehensible. We can't even imagine what it would be to create something. It would be like, you know, making your Lego set and then, and then, and then showing up as like one of the little characters on the pirate ship. Impossible, incomprehensible. And yet John says, me and my friends, we, t- we gazed. We're, uh, one of the words, there's two words uh, for looked and gazed, and I've translated it gazed there because they were like, we were studying this man because he wasn't just a man. He was a what? He was something from beyond. That's the first thing in your note sheets. John has witnessed the impossible. The uncreated creator has become part of the creation. What the heck? Even if that were, I mean, apparently it is possible if you're the creator, but why would anyone do that? Well, John tells us. So then he goes on. He he says, uh, we're announcing this. We're telling you what we've seen and heard. Why? So you might have union with us. For indeed, our union is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, If you're following in a a Bible in the pew or on your phone, uh, you're probably going to see the word fellowship. So you might have fellowship with us. For indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, The Greek there is koinonia. Uh, Fellowship is a, it's become like a Christian buzzword. You don't, no one actually uses it outside of the church. No one says, come, fellowship with us. Anyone who says that is a Christian, watch out. They're trying to sell you something. 
Uh, fellowship, koinonia, it really it just means sharing. It means sharing. And, and what the early church was known for was being a place where people shared their lives and their resources. They became uh, deeply involved, almost like family members with each other. And so sharing or mutual mutuality is kind of what's implied there. I translate union because that's kind of not something we do with God. Right? We don't, I mean... Does it, what, what would it make sense to have fellowship with God? We're sharing something with God. God's up there and he's like, man, I really need a little bit of Tom in my life. That's, that's what I need. Oh, here you go. And I'm like, here, have my heart. I know you need it. No. God doesn't need anything from us. God's beyond. God, I'm, I, I might give to God, but it's not like he's like, no, I'm rich. I mean, he's the progenitor of all things. He, all resources, wealth, everything comes from God. There's no sense in which I'm sharing. Anything that I'm doing with God is just basically giving him back something he already had. And so fellowship, I don't think, works. I think it obscures SDG&E. San Diego Gas and Electric, anybody? It's brutal. Do you, do you get the, uh, do you get the, um, the shame emails? Don't you love the shame email? I took this is a, this is a screenshot. This, this is what it says. Hey, little update, Tom. You use ninety nine percent more than similar houses. <laughs> Literally double the electricity of the good folks, and then, and then triple the electricity of the environmentally conscious people. I want to the person who sends me this email. I don't know who it is, but I would love to sit them down and explain. Number one. There's five of us. I have three children. Everyone else on my block are empty nesters. Number two, three of the people in our house are female. (laughs) And they know that when you turn on a television, when the show you're watching is over, you walk away so that someone else can come and watch another show right after you. That, anyone who else goes in it won't fall and break their neck. It's just, it's, it's... And I, I think that's really, really generous, and I'm, and I'm super for it. Uh, at the same time, I have to pay these bills, and so I turn off. But it's not all their fault. Uh, I, there, there's also one other problem. I have uh, layers and layers of uh, subcutaneous fat um, right here, which actually functions as sort of like a natural wetsuit. And so what happens is wherever I go, I'm hot. Like, I'm warm. And so I've found that uh, if I just press the button down to like 69 degrees um, during a 103-degree heat wave, I feel great. And then sdg comes and they make me pay for it. So it's a, it's a, we're all in this together. It's not their fault. It's all of our faults. I do wish they'd turn off the lights. That's okay. So what's the solution to this problem I have? You wouldn't believe some of the bills I've had to pay. Well, you might think that the responsible uh, Amer- thing to do would be to, you know, use less electricity, be b- more responsible. But if that's what you think, you're not an American. This is a terrible, I'm not green. Hey, I recycle, okay? But as Americans, we have a duty to use as much stuff as we can. <laughs> People don't come all, from all over the world to America so that they can, you know, 
sit in 78 degrees and turn all the lights off. No, they come here because they want to have the life of their dreams. And that involves using more electricity than they can possibly imagine. And so the solution is not to change the way we live. It is not to become more responsible, more moral people. No, the solution is solar panels. <laughs> Who's got solar panels? Yeah! America! Now think about what a solar panel is. So right now, the sun, all of the energy of the sun is being wasted. The only thing it's doing is giving us cancer. It's a, it's a, it's a blight. It heats the world up, and, and, we're, and we're, we're just wasting it. With solar power, we can harness the radiation, the energy, the light, the heat from the sun, and we can power everything. We can leave our PlayStation 5s on all day long. so interesting. Um, did you hear what John said? He said, he said um, this, this eternal life came down and was revealed to us, and now we have union with God. We have union with this life. We're sharing in, we're sharing in the life of God. This impossible thing happened, right, where the, the creator, the uncreated creator, the creator who has no beginning, no end, that creator comes, somehow enters into the creation. Why? So that he can bring his life, his eternal life, down to us. Down to the creation. So that we can share in it. We can participate in it. Just as the sunlight comes down to the solar powers and it connects us to the power of the sun. It connects us so that we now can can harness all the energy, all of the light, all of the the radiation, all of that power that is the sun. It comes down and then through the solar panels. The solar panels connect us to it. It's like we're being plugged into the sun. And John says the uncreated creator came so that we could get plugged in, connected to the creator. That all of the creator's life and power become ours. They, they invade. They become part of us. And this next thing you know, she's all who believe in Jesus get connected to the eternal life and power of God. But John doesn't stop there. He, now that night, that, that already sounds incredible. And if you were at VBS, you know what that does. Uh, we, we had five different days where we were talking about what the power of God does in our lives. And it does everything from make it so that, that death is no, no bar to us. The grave isn't the end because we have God's eternal life. And so we can expect resurrection. It means that when hard things, horrible things happen in our lives, we can resist and we can survive and we can thrive in the middle of them. We can have comfort. It means that we can have the power to live lives that are different than the people around us. Um, because we have God's life and God's power, we can be lights to the world. We, some of that, that power and life, it, it shines through us to the rest of the world. There's a lot of benefits and wonderful things. But John wants to focus on one of them. And so look, here at the end, he says this. Indeed, our, our unions with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ... And so we write, a little note on the text there, if you're following in the King James or the New King James, it'll say, uh, so that your joy may be made complete. Um, all modern translations now say, our joy may be made complete. We just, we found so many manuscripts that 
we know that that's um, very, very likely what John wrote, which they wouldn't have known when they uh, did the translation for the New King James, or the King James. But isn't that a little odd? We're announcing all these wonderful things to you, right? We're telling you that, that the eternal, uncreated cre- uh, creator comes and he becomes a part of our lives and he can connect us to the, the life of God, the power of God in the spirit. All of this is possible now. And, and, and you start sharing union with us, right? You have union with us, for indeed our union is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And this is going to make our joy complete. Not your joy although eventually, but our joy. John and his friends, those who are in the church, the people of the church, the people who have believed in Jesus and now share their lives together, receive the life and power of God, it now, all of our joy can make complete, that word complete, play right, it's, it's like filling up, right? Um, and so you might imagine that you're walking through life right now and maybe you're like about a quarter filled with joy. You're at, you're at the quarter level. Maybe you're, depending on your, you know, you're either half empty or half full of joy. Maybe you're at three quarters joy. John says, I've got the secret to topping you off to 100% joy. And I hate to admit that this man kind of gets it. Yeah, I had no idea either, uh, because he's a country artist, which means he's terrible. Uh, but it's, it's George Strait. Their wedding song was a George Strait song? Hey, you can, you can do another wedding. That's a thing now. It's like you, you wait 20 years and... So uh, Aaron was texting with uh, Jen Hanna, who was helping out at uh, VBS, and I don't know why, but Jen Hanna sent her a a song uh, from George Strait called I Saw God Today. And Aaron, because she likes to hurt me, made me listen to it. (laughs) And what really killed me is I was listening to the song, and I was like, what he's saying makes a lot of sense. Uh, the song is about uh, he's going to the coffee shop because he's been in the, uh, the hospital for 18 hours um, because his daughter's being born. And, uh, and, and he says, you know, I, look, I've been to the church. I've, I've read the book. I've done all those things. Um, and I don't pay attention as much as I ought to. But in this moment, right now, I saw God, the birth of my daughter. And it's obvious that the song comes from this deep place of joy. I mean, big plug for our baby dedications next week. We've got another generation that's coming. Babies don't always make you happy. In fact, most of the time they make you tired. Um, But that's the difference between happiness and joy, right? Like, yeah, I'm often not happy when... Because Soren, the only person that I've ever met who has more energy than my son Soren is Keegan. <laughs> you are unbelievable, bro. You never quit. 
And I'm starting on, I'm feeling for you guys. Because now I get it. I, yeah, you were right. <laughs> it's, so, it's so interesting, though. It's exhausting and, and, and sometimes frustrating uh, as it can be. People of thriving and new life into our lives. They, they, they deepen our meaning and our purpose. Right? And that's what joy is. It's not that you're just having fun, although sometimes you will. It's that your life now is full, filled up. Besides from having kids, the other big one that people uh, really love are weddings. Um, and we, as Americans, we're conditioned to think that the reason we like weddings is because we're celebrating what? Love. Wrong! I mean, we are. But that's not all that's going on when we're celebrating. What's really going on is we're celebrating the promise of new life. We're welcoming in all these new people, some of which we don't love, into our lives. And it can be messy. And it can be brutal. It can be tough. There's sharp edges that need to be shaved off. And yet, we celebrate because we know that this is what makes life full. This is what brings meaning and purpose. Now there's the possibility of children. There's a possibility of bringing another generation forward. That's what we're really celebrating. understands this because John thinks, and we'll see as we go through First John, he thinks of the church as a family. Okay, And so he understands that the same dynamic that happens in our, our, our fleshly families, which is that what brings us joy is to make them bigger, to welcome more in. There is a limit, though. Like, once you get to, like, six kids, I think that's the most we have in the church. I think it's the Stora's. But I think Janelle's got, like, five. I would recommend stopping at three, but your mileage may vary. Whatever the point. Colleen, I'm sorry. We should all have 30 kids. I know. I know. I know. Have more children. Okay. Win the culture war by procreating. It's the win. Okay. We know that when we get bigger and we get larger, we start to see our meaning, our purpose develop. We start to thrive. We start to share in the lives of our kids and our aunts and uncles and our in-laws. And we start, and it's not always fun, it's not always easy, but it matters and it's good and it thrives. And John says, if you, if, you know what's going to make my joy complete? More of you with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. But what I really want is for you who are listening, I want you to come in. That's what's really going to fill me up with joy. More of you enjoying the same thing, the same life that I'm enjoying, the same worship, the same, the same existence, the same sharing, all of those things, the same life and power of God. I want all of us to have it. And when we bring in more, when more people start engaging in that, that's when we get filled all the way up. And we reach, we experience the ultimate joy that God has for us, the design joy that God has. And one of the reasons that, that this is so critical is not everybody gets to have kids. Not everybody gets to be married. Not every marriage works. And yet in the church, in the church, we have a new family. One that's meant to expand and we get involved in each other's lives. We get to know each other, get to be a part of, of, of how we're growing and living. And we share, we raise our kids together. We marry our kids off so they don't find someone terrible. And then, and then we pass it on. He says to me, he says, 
If you're looking for a church, don't come to Coast Bible. But if you're looking for a family, you're going to love it here. Did you make that up? Rachel, of course it's Rachel. She's the brains who put together a 24-page paper for your New Testament class, and you still haven't sent it to me. And I'm starting to think that you don't like or respect me, which is fine. Not everyone has to like or respect me. I'm okay with that. But I would really like to read that paper, so can you please send it? Thank you. Last thing in your note sheets. Christians get joy full when we welcome new people into our family. This is critical uh, for me right now. Just a little bit less than a month ago, uh, my, my father died after being in, uh, you know, non-responsive for two months. And what's made, uh, what's made it possible for us to go forward and to have um, hope and, and, and joy is, is you. So just, um, just like there's a Fred Koblenz-shaped hole and now a Dave Bennett-shaped hole in our community here, when we lose these people, if we want to fill our joy up, we've got to bring in new Freds and new Daves. If we want this place to not just to be a place where our joy is made full, we need more of you. People who don't know, don't have union with the life of God right now. People who aren't sharing in the life and power of God. People who aren't sharing in the family community. People who are, maybe they've been in church for years, but they're, but they're, they're, they're dead, they're lifeless. Or maybe they've never been to church at all and they are in desperate need of that life and power. And baptism, it's invitation time, friends. It's time to be joyful. I'm saying goodbye to my dad. Now I need you and more of you. And that is when we're sharing in the real thing. Bring him in, friends. Your joy will be made complete. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we are so grateful for the gift of life, your life that you just pour out into us in Jesus Christ. that you, the creator, became a part of the creation. And in that impossible move, connected us to your life and power. God, may we be bold to, to invite people in to communion with us, union with us, union with you, that our joy may be filled all the way up 
that we'll be ready to face uh, the, the difficulties and trials of life as well as the happy moments and the, the times of, of peace and, and, and thriving. That in all of it, we'll have a deeper purpose. Glorifying you, worshiping you. God, we do ask that you'll bring more, more people to share what we have, to share this special place, to share union with you, with each other. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.